0: Welcome to the Polk Experience. I'm your host, Kevin Smith. And I'm Jack Cormier. And today we're going to be talking about the best things in Polk County by way of Michigan. Because we have sports writer Lynn Henning with us today. Longtime sports writer, Detroit uh, News. news, Detroit Press, Detroit News. And covering the Tigers and spring training, baseball, and all other kinds of sports that we're going to talk about today. So, welcome to the show today, Len.
1: Thanks, Kevin. And thanks, Jack. Always good to be back with you, gentlemen, and always good to be back to my second home.
0: Well, that's that's interesting because we do want to talk about that, about coming back to Polk County year after year with the Tigers. So how many years? 45, 45. The, the,
1: the first one that I came to was as a student at Michigan State. I came down here during spring break, that was in 73. Uh, the first time I came with a press pass was 75 right after I was out of school and working as my first sports writer gig. The first time I was assigned was an 18 day stint in 1979 when Kirk Gibson was a rookie here and Tramlin and Whitaker were just pretty much beginning and Jack Morris and Lance Parrish and all that crew. But uh, that was my first time as an assignment, and I would milk that for 18 days for you. and uh, never wanted to leave.
2: <laughs> so maybe we, we could probably hop on, the, hop on it right here with Kirk
1: Gibson. So mm-hmm. you and Kirk Gibson go back to oh Michigan, Michigan State, State back in uh, 1975. Uh, I first met him his freshman year when he was a wide receiver there. This was before baseball. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was a sports writer at the Lansing State Journal. And uh, so I uh, was covering him in in football until uh, the football coach, Darrell Rogers, then said, hey, said this All-American who was going to go number one in the NFL draft in 79, which is a story we'll get to here in a minute said, uh, why don't you, you don't need spring ball. He said, why don't you go out for baseball? Uh, the coach would, would really like, knows that you played before. And it might help your market value. How's that for a statement from a head football coach? It might help your market value. So he goes out and nearly quits because baseball, as we know, is pretty difficult. But then Kirk Gibson became Kirk Gibson. And all you heard uh, was the sound of this aluminum bat wrapping baseballs over the Red Cedar River. <laughs> and and he would have become not only the first player drafted that year in the in the major league draft had teams not been uncertain about his football plans. But one of the conditions that he signed with the Tigers was that he would come back and play football that fall of 79 or 78 rather. He comes back and for the pro scouts by the way that spring he had run a 40 in 4.28 seconds, 6'3", wow. 220 pounds.
0: Wow.
1: He ran for pro scouts, their clocks and watches were all identical 428, which tells you why he was going to be the first player drafted in the NFL draft, he was. He was also then after he explodes in baseball, gonna be the first player drafted in baseball. Teams were leery about his football plans. Tigers got him with a 12th pick overall 12th pick in the first round and of course Kirk Gibson became Kirk Gibson but that was one of the reasons I got 18 days instead of 10 days down here for that first assignment Gibson being Gibson the first at bat he hit a home run against a guy named Wynn Rummerswall for the Red Sox Well, my bosses get all excited back there, and the audience is all excited. And he says, uh, My boss, he says, "Uh, Why don't you stay another? Now, this is 1979. He says, What do you think it'll cost? He was $150. He's just trying to (laughs) give the boss, his boss, a figure he could bite on. Well, okay, hotels were 30 bucks a night back then. So it was somewhere in the ballpark, but that wasn't counting the rent-a-car and the meals. Nonetheless, they got their money's worth, yeah. and I got 18 days. Then I went back up and immediately started covering the NCAA basketball tournament where Magic Johnson and Larry Bird collided, where mm-hmm. Michigan State won the NCAA out at Salt Lake City. I had a pretty good month. Was- yeah, I was going to say, talk about a magical year. And then I came back and the Detroit News hired me.
0: Okay. That's a great story. So you, you maintained this relationship with Kirk Gibson throughout the years, that's right?
1: Yeah, because, I, and I can say this, we had gotten each other's respect. Uh, he, he knew I was of my philosophy and journalism, and he respected that, even when he didn't like it. And uh, that's why he had me co-author his book, his autobiography, mm-hmm. Bottom of the Ninth, uh, 16 years later. 7, 18 years later, I guess I should say. And um, Kirk, uh, I have covered for, what, 46 years now. And uh, he's been the most remarkable athlete and story from those years because of the duality, Mm -hmm. the football and the baseball, and the fact that people don't understand his intellectual power is as dynamic as his physical abilities. They don't see that until they listen to him. He can go 0 to 60 with a thought and with verbiage, and there's not a single waste word. And I've known that for 46 years. He has a remarkable intellect.
0: That's incredible. And I think people do forget about the fact that he. I, until you said <sighs> I'd forgotten that he played football and oh, as a wide receiver for Michigan yeah. State.
1: Kevin, if you would have seen him on a crossing pattern, take a pass from Eddie Smith and what he would do with it, defensive backs absolutely quake. They'd play 20 yards off him. He was just so fast, he'd leave them in their dust. I would be able to practice. And when, he, when they would do sprints at the end, he would kick up dirt like a racehorse. Just throw it into the air with his, his feet and, and, and just these very efficient strides. He was dynamic.
0: Well, you know, and especially that time period in the mid-70s to have a 6'3 wide receiver, uh, Two hundred and some odd pounds. Two twenty. Two twenty. That, yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean that's that was, tight end, tight end, or a or down lineman or yeah. something like exactly. that back then.
1: Yeah, and and they couldn't cover him. And then when he did get the ball, you, you give being give <laughs> <him. laughs> yeah. you can imagine he loved he loved lowering the boom on a DB. It wasn't the other way around the way most people feel it is with a crossing pattern. The DB is the one that got it in the chops. That's incredible.
2: So you you thinking of transitionary periods in the 70s, you are part of the transition of sports writing. So I mean some of your writing is, is not well, make it sound like some of your writing isn't up to par your writing is amazing. And, and you. you came from the, you know, the the generation, you're right in the shadow of the Gonzo journalists and Hunter Thompson. And and you go with the sort of the new journalism, the sort of the, the very literary open to a lot of I'm gonna read a couple of your leads because they floor me every time. Anguish and resolve seemed to merge in a single lane that day last November when Mark detonio found himself locked in thought on a drive down I-75 en route to Cincinnati. If that doesn't make you want to read the rest of the article, that was so. So tell me about that. Yeah, it's a very different. It's an evolving journalism field and especially for sports that was very much. You know, sort of, sort of in the lines. You know, keep it in the lanes. At that point, tell me about the
1: challenges. I, I, I wish I could tell you, uh, Jack, that uh, I've, I've consciously changed anything. But uh, journalism, being journalism, the, the thing that I'm always really most inclined to find most inspiring about it is reporting. It's still for me. It's discovery. It's digging up facts. It's learning information that I want to share with an audience that otherwise doesn't know this material. And I really enjoy that part of the adventure. Uh, It's the curiosity in me, I suppose, that brings about any journalist. And in my case, that's still what I like to know. I like to discover things that other people don't know and then be able to tell them about it in print. Uh, That to me is really a lot of fun. It's very gratifying. As far as the writing, I think it's like any craft. I think as you do more of it, Whether it's woodworking or anything, you're going to get better at it, which is why there doesn't seem to be a ceiling on age. I feel at 68, like I'm frankly writing better than I was at 58, 48, 38, or 28. And I think that will continue for as long as... uh, I've got the, these graced years, but uh, it, it really hasn't been a strategic change as much as I just think there's been a maturation process that's gone on here for 46 years.
2: You, you were lucky enough then to choose to be in the,
1: at, at the right
2: place at the right time. Correct. It,
1: okay. Because I go back, I mean, I caught the very tail end of the printing press era when they had lead type and those guys were turning... Let around. I mean, people It's like you tell them and what What was that all about? That was, of course, the way newspapers were printed for a, couple, a few hundred years. And then we got into the what they call cold type, the uh, the, the the pasting together of uh, laminated copy on pages, photographing those, turning those into engravings. Yep.
2: yep. And that's And then it's my, my time period. Well,
1: and then table. and then I the typewriter, know. too. I started with a typewriter. And the typewriter, I thought, was going to be around forever. Well, by the mid-'80s, uh, early-'80s, that was gone, and we were typing on uh, computers, small computer RAMs. Word processors. Word processors. Yeah. yeah, Kevin, that would be the better phrase. And uh, so I, I got into that part. And then, of course, we went uh, you know, all, all technical. This thing called the Internet uh, uh, obviously has... Uh, Really not print for a loop, but I don't feel like it's changed my job any. I don't write any differently. Uh, In fact, I like the idea that I can write something this morning and it's going to be on the website now in 20 minutes. I, I like that part, yeah. and that's how I get my news. I don't buy a print paper anymore. I I, 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 but I do take a lot of papers. I take the Washington Post. I take the New York Times. I take the two Detroit papers. I like reading them online.
2: Yeah, and you've embraced Twitter, which is
1: one thing absolutely. That I love. So I was following you uh, when you were at the
2: game a couple of days ago, and uh, we were talking about Torkelson's uh, snag. Yeah. down the line, and 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 to be able to then look at the phone and and to see how you thought about it right there in real time is, is something that we never got to do before. So that's, Thanks. A, that's a connection with the, with the audience we never had.
1: Yeah, I don't feel displaced in that regard. I feel like there's simply more avenues now to frankly discuss, present, offer thoughts, offer reporting, and ultimately then to offer your story. Now, readership doesn't always reflect that in terms of subscriptions. We're starting now to finally charge for the product, and that hasn't gone over overwhelmingly popularly with the audience. But they're slowly beginning to, I think, come back to that point that maybe there's some value here. And look, if I'm spending a buck and a half on a candy bar, I probably can spend a buck and a half, I would hope, on a subscription to the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News. And and I'm hoping that people more and more are gonna be looking at it uh, with that kind of philosophy.
0: Do you feel that the, um, uh, the art of sports writing, journalism, research, Uh, understanding the the game, the nuances of the game. Do you feel like maybe some of the younger reporters these days or the talking heads you see on TV have lost some of that or is that hopefully something that hasn't been lost yet?
1: If they've gone into it with that in mind, that they're going to be a talking head, they're probably not interested in journalism. And you're right, Kevin, that can be rewarded because that's the way a lot of electronic media now Operates, But if you're going to still work as a journalist, and I draw that distinction, my degree is in journalism from Michigan State University. That is an ethic. That is a profession. That is a science. Uh, that is an art. Uh, that is a lot of things that what you're discussing isn't. Not that there's not a place or room or even value for that. Uh, obviously, there is. Uh, but uh, journalists uh, aspire uh, to a different level of newspaper and news gathering, and to the science that is, in fact, beneath that. So that's where where I have a a, a different view, a distinction that I try to draw, and um, I think my bosses appreciate that. Certainly on the print side.
0: Sure, sure. And you've covered many sports. I know we're we're going to talk about baseball, but you've covered other sports, right? Basketball. You've covered yes football,
1: oh boy, hockey.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some of those, those
1: things. Well, I had the benefit uh, back when I was first covering spring training. Uh, I'd leave from here and go cover the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Well, I happened to catch, not only is my first one, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird 1979, still the highest rated television NCAA championship game in history because there were such mystical qualities about guys that they really hadn't seen on TV. This is pre-cable.
0: Yeah.
1: So you had that going. Then I covered the Michael Jordan shot against Georgetown at New Orleans in 1982 when Jordan, as a freshman, hit that shot that beat Georgetown. 83, I'm at New Mexico State, or rather at at Albuquerque at the University of New Mexico, covering Jim Valvano beating the Houston Slamma Jamma guys. I have that game. 84 was fairly nondescript, Georgetown, Kentucky. But 85 was at Lexington when Villanova upset uh, Georgetown, and I'd called it in the paper that day. No one thought Villanova was gonna be in the game. I called it in a big banners, and, and with 30 seconds left, I had the actual score.
0: Nice.
1: But I, all the things I said that they'd have to do that night, they did. They shot 75% from the floor in the second half, Ed Pinkney and those guys. So I had the benefit of seeing these tremendous college basketball finals uh, all through those years before baseball became over overwhelming and I was covering more of that. And I covered the bad boys, Pistons teams, uh, helped out on that, Covered uh, uh, helped out on Stanley Cup hockey up there in Detroit just a little Uh, passion for hockey in detroit oh there certainly is (laughs) and i've covered a lot i've covered two olympics uh, i've covered a lot of golf i've covered six masters and a bunch of pgas and a few u.s opens and all of that Ryder cups and i have played golf all over the world because i had only one moment away from newspapers which for five years was editor of the pga's national golf magazine oh okay. okay And I I did that because at the time I was traveling so much, I had a newborn son and I needed a little more time close to home and hearth. That was the only time away from newspapers. But that in itself was also very enriching and and I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Yeah. You know, for the folks that are listening, if you haven't been or if you haven't had the opportunity to go to a first round or a final final four or sweet 16 of an NCAA basketball tournament, it's it's electric. I, I went a few years ago. When it was the first round was in Detroit. Yep. And uh, it, it was incredible to uh, to go there and the energy that surrounds that and the fans that are there and and, and it's gonna come back. We're gonna have tournaments again. At some sure. Point. They're they're gonna come back. But it is really an electric crowd oh. to, to watch. And Detroit's done such a great job over the last ten years, I guess it's been, of revitalizing downtown and all the things that are going
1: on. Oh, downtown is just wonderful. And I I feel so badly, doubly badly for this (laughs) pandemic and how it it really set some things back. that will be back in no time at all. But downtown Detroit, everybody's got this attitude. Oh, you don't want to go down and roll up your windows and don't. No, 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 no. One thing, it wasn't like that anyway. In any big urban area, you have impoverished areas that are residential and that's unfortunately where, where we have our, our domestic crime and so forth. Detroit, even when there was no business, all everybody moved out to the suburbs, businesses and people. Downtown Detroit, I loved it. I worked downtown, we had our places, it was great. Now it's really fun and all the kids wanna live there. Yeah. And they're building, for the last five years now, they've been building the first apartments that they've built since the 60s. Everybody wants to live downtown now. It is hopping and fun. And I knew it was going to happen because any place where you have infrastructure and water, an old town, it's going to be back. Well, it was kind of the caboose on the urban renewal train. But Detroit is back and it is thriving. And and again, it'll bounce back quickly post-pandemic, too, because all of the elements are there.
0: The entertainment district and everything down of course. You know, some things don't change. I don't know if you've ever been to downtown Detroit, but you got to go get an all-American dog.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, the Coney Island dogs. The Coney the, Island uh, yeah. all, <laughs> you, I was going to ask him which one he, he went
2: for. But well, he, he
1: it, it, it went, my yeah, my cardiologist not real wild about those Coney Island dogs, yeah. but <laughs> but yeah, hot dogs, chili, mustard, onions, and uh, and, uh, and it's it is. You're right, Kevin. It's uh it's an icon there, a, a, a culinary. Icon.
0: So the connections now, because we have the Tigers here in, in Polk County and the connection between the people in Detroit and uh, in Michigan in general and the Tigers here in, in, uh, in Lakeland, I mean, that had to have been something to watch over the years, right? We still oh, have a lot of people here. It's,
1: it's the sister city. Lakeland is to Detroit and to Michigan. And anytime people in Michigan see that dateline, Lakeland, They get all a flutter because that to them represents spring and baseball. And their imaginations begin to run if they haven't been here. And if they have been here, it takes them right back to this oasis, this Garden of Eden that Lakeland is. And I classify it as just that. I've lived now more than two years of my life in Lakeland covering all of these spring trainings that's a lot of time yeah yeah and I feel when I'm back here I feel like I'm in my hometown and I know all the places you know pretty much where to go I know you know I know all the roads I I I I have all my eating spots and then I'm always open to discovering new ones I feel at home in Lakeland I always feel like this is something that elevates my spirits And I know professionally and personally, it's gonna be a great trip. It carries me away. I'll never forget that first one. We were over at Winter Haven playing back when the Red Sox were there. That's when they had the orange groves out back of the outfield instead of the condos. Well, again, the informality of of spring training, and I call it screen door baseball. I I think the implication is clear there. But you could also, like at the end of the game, just go out and sit waiting for the game to end. Just sit on the outfield outside the chalk lines in the grass, waiting for the game to end. Then we'd go to the dugout. Can you imagine that in any other professional sports setting? Well, I'm sitting there, and I am just carried away. I am carried away. I am under the influence here of something that is cosmic and metaphysical, and. It has been indelible and will always remain for me of the deepest imprints uh, in my heart. So you grew up as a kid then
2: oh. with Lakeland oh. as oh. The man, because you grew up outside of Lansing.
1: Yeah, so I was on a farm kid from twenty miles north. Okay, and and you're right, uh, absolutely, Jack. I'll tell you what it became was this land of Oz, this imaginary place. And that's why when I came down here my very first time in Florida at spring break 73, there is no way I wasn't coming to Lakeland. So my my buddy, Jerry Pacor, and I drove down from Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine back then what yeah. was between Lakeland and Daytona Beach, a little town called Orlando. Yeah. And that was <laughs> it. Yeah, You know, Disney yeah. was just beginning. And so there was nothing. And I'll... Oh, I mean, we're driving. It was almost desolate all the way down four from well, I didn't care. We got here for that game. It was a night game. And I had my first experience at being carried away. It was like discovering again this enchanted land that you had dreamed about, imagined, thought about, conjured up images in your mind. And now I'm seeing it. And man, when I started covering it, I never wanted to leave.
2: I was telling Kevin, you know, as a kid growing up in Boston, it was, you know, Winter Haven was
1: this winter magical
2: spot because you were you were there and it was cold and it got dark at four o'clock and and it's zero out and the snow is gray and yellow. And and you can turn on the TV, and even if it's a black and white TV, you can still tell that's green grass and palm trees, yes, and sunshine, and there are people wearing shorts, and you're like, oh my God, there's some place to escape this.
1: And those orange groves they had mm-hmm. out beyond the outfield oh, yeah. fence, then yeah. at Chain Lakes. I was heartbroken when I came here, here and, and I them. saw that
2: the dome was gone, yeah. the or the old orange dome, and the and the orange groves. So
0: well, you know, Florida's, you know long history with spring training between al lang and all the things that have gone on here i grew up in north florida a little town called fernandina beach and i remember as a kid we had want once it was the minnesota twins that was Harmon killebrew right yeah so that's uh the minnesota twins in fernandina beach used to do their spring training as a kid and we would go down to the ballpark and they would throw flippers balls and and broken bats and things like that and my <laughs> father used to tell me the story of back in the, it must have been the late 50s, early 60s, where the kids, the the players would come down, and they would have the Cuban or Latin players that they weren't, because they were dark or African American, Mm -hmm. couldn't stay in the hotel, so they would put them with families in the community. And I had three sisters um, at the house at the time, and my father said he came home one day, and these three guys were sitting on the couch, and my three sisters were sitting there, and he was like... Yeah, no, this has got to end. This is, <laughs> <done>. <laughs> this is done.
1: I might like baseball, but I don't like this. Don't like this. Yeah. You
0: know, They're all sitting around the couch. So the history of baseball in the state and you've been you've covered so much of it. What are some of your favorite places that you've gone outside of Lakeland that you've seen these these parks uh, around the state?
1: Well, Vero Beach was always tremendous. Dodger town. Yeah, yeah. When, when the Dodgers were there uh, and I was so heartbroken when they left. Uh, but I, I always like, frankly, the games at Disney with a Braves, probably because it's so easy to get to. <laughs> And, and and yet I like Clearwater a lot. Uh, I love the Phillies Park. I I even like Dun Eaton that's that old yeah. rickety ballpark. There's I don't just care. Some, I like something
2: it. about that old rickety park and 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 the strange sausages that they sell. Yep. And street meat. And me. and, and I don't know what it is, but they're only they're. And, I mean, it's not quite a hot dog, but it's not a, a sausage that you'd see anywhere yeah. else. It's It's definitely Canadian. Yeah. Um, But one of my favorites is seeing the players try to get to. I've seen more than once that here's this, you know, major league prospect who's jumping on the back of some passerby's golf cart who's going to give them a lift from the practice fields over to the playing field in Dunedin. I've seen it a dozen times. And it's just, there's just something fun about it.
1: Well, I like Sarasota, Uh, Ed Smith Stadium that they've redone is really good. Bradenton's fine. I hated to see him leave St. Pete, yeah. you know, but, but again, we've lost so many teams unfortunately uh, to Arizona and I'm just glad we've got as many here, uh, e- even over at uh, Houston, uh, o- over at uh, Kissimmee mm-hmm. when they were here, I-, I liked it again, because it was Great. drivable yeah. and you always appreciated that. But I liked the ballpark over there. I, any, there's no the only place honestly I really didn't really like much was Space Coast, exactly. uh, because it was kind of. Was who's that was Yeah, yeah. Well, the Washington was there. Okay. Oh, Till oh, til they okay. moved out. Till right. they moved out, and so that's sitting there abandoned now. Mm. Uh, but I, I mean, it wasn't like I didn't I, I didn't hate the facility. It was a nice facility. The only problem was that the drive over there was was generally a little cumbersome. Yeah, and then there wasn't any real atmosphere because it's out in these pasture lands. Yeah. And so that wasn't, there wasn't any enchantment, I, I should sure. say to that. But otherwise, any place that they've played baseball, I mean, even when it used to be up here at Plant City, or oh, uh, yeah. in the Reds, uh, yeah. When the Reds were there, and then Kansas City was was just up the road.
2: Yeah, baseball and boardwalk.
1: and. That, again, for convenience, even what it lacked in charm, it made up for in convenience. But the thing, I guess, that explains a lot of the kinship with Lakeland is the fact, obviously, that the Tigers have been here 86 years or whatever. It is astounding that one club and one town have had this kind of marriage for generations. Yeah. But that explains, again, Lakeland and the aura of that dateline in Michigan.
0: And you've had a number of celebrities who are big Tigers fans. Obviously, Tom Selleck, we remember? Was it Mr. Baseball? Mr. Baseball. Mr. Oh, baseball. yeah. You got a mm-hmm. hole in your swing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They used
0: to tell me that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I, I wound up a pitcher. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got a hole in my swing. I was a first <laughs> baseman. Um, and then, of course, uh, Kevin Costner and yep. some other people who told these great stories as Detroit Tiger players as as the fans of the game. And, and I, that's got to be pretty special as well. Um, you know, just having the whole community around base, baseball, special. Jack and I are both baseball guys. You're obviously a baseball lover as well. And I think for me, one of the one of the best parts of spring training, and it, it's just a memory that's seared in my head, is being at the ballpark on a, on a spring morning and the grass has just been cut. And there's a little yeah. deal on the grass. And you get that smell. It's just a certain smell it makes you want to roll around like a Chihuahua you yeah. know, and <laughs> yeah. enjoy it a little bit. Yeah.
1: Well, and also, I think again, it's the magic of that Tiger Town complex. those fields back there where you can go back and just watch all those guys at four different adjoining fields, back to back, that quadrant out mm-hmm. there. That is always remarkably entertaining. And again, it's up close. It's personal. Uh, you're you're virtually mingling, particularly we as media are mingling with these guys. That is an intimacy you don't get in other sports, and you certainly don't get it even uh, at other times during the regular season for the most part. But down here, it's daily, and uh, every day it just leaves you enchanted.
0: I got to imagine that one of the other pluses for some of the players, and even maybe for the media, is when you come to an area like this, you get very few days off in that that thirty day period of, of spring training, but when you get one, you got golf courses you can go to. Yeah, and a lot. I know a lot of guys like to go out and oh. beat the ball around a yeah. little bit and uh, have some fun. Sort of There's yeah, the yeah, just, just a
2: little fishing around here. Yeah, just a little fishing. Tell us
1: about well, have, when I've had my son down here uh, and he's come in a couple of times, we've been out fishing, bass fishing, and we have had a ball. I even went out with a couple of the tigers for about 10 years ago and did a story. I was with uh, Rick Porcello, only a Cy Young yeah. Award winner later on, right. and uh, Daniel Schlereth when he had come in here. And I went bass fishing with those two guys and did a big story on it and had a blast. Well, and then I've, I've been out on um, the Winter Haven area lakes, bass fishing out there with my son, and we've done spectacularly. And then I went and... Um, Fished at Streamsong too. Mm. Okay. Oh, you did fish at Streamsong. Yeah, stream. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I got got some good bass at, yeah. at Streamsong. Shot some skeet. Okay. And uh, got out on a golf course. All right. So I which kinda, one? Which one did you play? Oh gosh, Jack. I wish I could remember. Uh, I don't want to say the tough one because they're all tough. But, oh, yeah. I, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna say the hard one because they're, they're all well, hard. Well, Tom Doke, the designer, is a friend of mine. Okay. Oh really? Okay. okay. And I, I feel kind of like a guy who knew Alistair McKenzie or Donald Ross in that regard because Doke's gonna be immortal uh, mm-hmm. with these golf courses and what he did at stream song was beautiful that
0: course in the center of the state of florida which is known for being flat yeah right? we're flat plus yeah plus some uh you feel like you're in colorado you could be amazing to see as soon as
2: uh, you go through the gates as as it's you like you through go the through, the gates, through the gates you're, and you're like what, what happened yeah. amazing It 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 and and black Black plays, uh, it's so big and it's so wide and, and it's so long. And it's so long. And I played it
0: last year and uh,
2: those sand traps, you could film the opening of kung <laughs> fu and every one of them. It just is like going through a desert. It uh,
0: you know. It, it's it's a it's a beautiful course. It is it's uh, it's tough enough, but it's, it's allowable enough that you can have a really good time out there. But when you have to play like this time of year when you can't put a card on there we played with a couple of guys and it's a 7 mile walk yeah through there <laughs> you know it was like by the end of the, but we got to the 18th and I hit a ball and was down on the fairway and the guy goes, Oh, you're right in the middle of the fairway? And I'm like, I don't really, I don't care. <laughs> That's I not even a good walk spoiled at don't that care. point. That's just, just go pick yeah. it up. I'm done.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't do no more. <laughs> well, Justin Verlander always enjoyed the golf around here. Uh, not, not that he was the only player, Kenny Rogers and all those guys did. But Verlander and David Price were big friends of, of Stream Song too. Okay, so they would get out there. But it's just an example that here there's so much to do. Plus, I like the fact I've got such an easy trip over to Tampa. And I always love going over to Tampa uh, as well as here. But just because I like to experience the whole darn state as much as I can in all of its blessings. I might go over to Winter Haven. I used to do that. My wife would drive down from St. Simon's Island. Mm -hmm. I would meet her over in Winter Haven. We'd have dinner over there. Let the traffic all clear. Oh yeah, and then we'd come home about nine o'clock, and then have our weekend in Lakeland. Very nice. And uh, when I get down here, well, you know, when you know the same waitresses that you've been going to for years, that tells you that you know a town pretty well. Absolutely. And that's the way I feel when I go to Scarpas or anywhere else uh, in Lakeland. uh, I feel like again, I'm back home.
0: How how do you uh, make it a little bit of a turn? Because we want to talk a little bit about the team this year, and. The, the return of baseball to a little bit of normalcy. Yeah. Um, as we said, it, it's going to come back. Things are going to be fine. Sure. How's the team looking?
1: The team is definitely better. And that is, uh, uh, along with expectations. Anytime you go through a rebuild, uh, there's a, it's like a, an economy bottoming out during a recession. And then there is the move and tick upward. They have gone through their depression era times, you might say, and this year they'll be better. Now, will they be a 500 team? I don't think that's possible. But will they be an entertaining team? Will there be a more interesting team? Absolutely, which is the nature of a rebuild because you start to get in young talent. You're infused now with players that, oh, boy, this kid's interesting. And that's at the stage they are now because they've got so much of this young talent that they've been drafting by virtue of their rebuild yeah. and their early draft picks paying off. Now they've got some stuff happening. He's some Rule 5 stuff. You're yeah, key, you know, yeah, you know. this akil Badu. Yeah. And I, I said to Al Avila, the GM, I said, I'm glad you just took him for his name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he's a good-looking dude. He's a good-looking dude. He's got uh, a ton of skills. Yeah, I mean, you have to be realistic. He hasn't played above single A, and they have to take a kid like that. It should be in the minors and keep him on the big league roster if they want to hang on to this poached talent. That's all part of the equation. But for a Rule Fiver, I'll tell you, he's he's fun to watch, and uh, I, I think they might might have made a little bit of a stealer. But they have a lot of this stuff now. Their offseason acquisitions, I thought, were very shrewd. Uh, and now this is a prelude to what they'll be getting back into the big free agent market this fall. And, and certainly they will be. They're going to be adding one of those guys who helped turn things around 10 and 15 years ago, a Pudge Rodriguez, a Maglio Ordonez, uh, a Prince Fielder, a Victor Martinez. They're going to add a heavyweight player. I will bet you $1,000 of someone else's money. <laughs> but they they will add somebody, a heavyweight along those lines. And then next year, these kids will be that much more infiltrating into the roster and lineup. You're gonna see next year, when you get your crowds back, you're also gonna see a revitalized uh, team out there. It'll still be young, then they they gotta learn how to grow up and play and win. But what you will see is that the seedbed has helped restore the beginnings of what should be a pretty competitive roster. And
2: they've followed the plan that that um, a lot of teams are doing now, which is get a lot of great arms.
1: So yeah. tell yeah. us about some of the arms. Yeah, the, the young arms, you're right, Jack. they have got um, Tarek skubel the left-hander that they got in the ninth round three years ago. And uh, that that's an example of how baseball can giveth and taketh away. It gave us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this kid is really good. Then Casey Mize is going to be fine. People are a little concerned because he's a first overall draft pick, and why isn't he coming out? You know, throwing like uh, Roger Clemens right now. Well, it's not going to happen yet. But he's going to be fine. He's not going to be a, 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 a Clemens like ace, but he's going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Then they've got Alex Fayette from, of course, the area. Yep, He's recovering from Tommy John. He'll be, he'll be all right uh, by next spring. They've got a kid that they got last year in a trade, Joey Wentz. Uh, and you're going to like him a lot. He's also just about back from Tommy John. Uh, he's going to be very good. Matt Manning, another of their first round draft picks the last few years. They had to let him grow up. His dad was an NBA player. Mm-hmm. Um he is first-round talent. You get a bunch of people like that. Now you've suddenly rebuilt a rotation. And what they needed to do, though, was get position talent. Yeah. They've gotten it in the last couple of years. And
2: back to a Clemens, Cody is kind of putting the pressure on him as far as having to make some decisions in the infield.
1: Yeah, and yet uh, I wouldn't bet against him. Uh, I've liked him all along, and I think what killed his – consciousness with the fans last year was the fact obviously there was no minor league ball now it is getting late he's going to need to do something this year i would not rule him out Uh, i i want to see him this year play a full season and how much of it's at the minors and how much of it might be a sneak in in detroit uh, at least by september uh we'll see but uh, I think Cody Clemens could be one of those farm system surprises that teams that are rebuilding occasionally will get. It wouldn't be a terrible surprise. He was a first round pick in the second round. Yeah, and, right. and kind of a Probably great, kind pick.
2: of an interesting offseason where he went, instead of sitting at home, yeah. you know, found, instead of being in that sort of twilight zone that most of these guys were in, he goes, plays for his dad, played an in independent in, league in, in Indy League yep. with a whole bunch of uh, yep. former. Uh, you know, basically, it was a triple A league, yeah, uh, of old timers throwing slop, and and he gets to learn, you know, key in on, on breaking stuff. Oh, and, and which they had, had been a hole in his, it really had been the, the hole in his swing, right. yeah. So, and,
1: and they and they had some good pitchers there too, some major league guys who were throwing good stuff too. Uh, so I, I think he could be one of those surprise- at Parades, I say, crazy is a yeah. guy that I think uh, it could turn on the town. Uh, he's 21, and he can hit. Okay, uh, and yeah. he played second base the other night in Sarasota. Third base is his natural position. He played a good second base. Yeah,
2: you said uh, he he had to pivot down. I, I read your I, I told you I followed. Yeah, boy, to you're, you're a brave man. Was. Uh, <laughs> and,
0: and you know, for, for people who are who follow the game but may not have played it at, at a higher level in the game, to take a corner guy and put him in the middle of the infield it messes yeah. your head up. Yeah. I, you yeah. Know, I, I, like I said, I played first, I played third. I played second one time, and it was like, which
1: oh, yeah, Yeah, what where, do I
0: do? Where yeah. do I go? Yeah. You know, it's like the bags over here instead of over yeah. there. What am I doing?
1: Well, the new manager, A.J. Hinch, and he's part of the story here too, uh, he likes Paredes because of his hands. And so that's transferable. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. saw that the other night. He was moving very, very, very fluidly. And uh, handling everything that came his way. So I think he could be a, a story this year. A lot of these stories are beginning to gestate now. And uh, for that reason, and again, the new manager is the real deal. Yeah. If the White yeah. Sox hadn't hired Tony La Russa, A.J. Hench would be in Chicago running the White Sox right yeah. now. Instead, yeah. he's running the Tigers. And this guy is sharp.
0: Knows the game. Woo. That's great. You know, and, and, and that, I think, those are the type of things that are going to help baseball restart, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You've got some exciting young talent. You got some good pitchers. The game's going back to the, or, you know, basically organically is going to grow the yeah. game again.
1: Yep, uh, I agree, Kevin.
0: Love it. They love the game of baseball, but there's some hesitancy, and and we've lost some audience in baseball over the years. I hope this is what brings people back to the park, right? Because there's nothing like watching a baseball game live. <sighs>
1: And when I'm out at Marchant and out there and I look at the berm and see those people out there with their blankets spread and then I see all of the hustle and bustle in the concourses and those folks and you can just see the exhilaration in them. Just see the exhilaration. It's my favorite scene of the year. And I got a little thing I do every year when I leave the ballpark. I've done my story, my last story for the spring. I walk out of the press box i walk down over the stands there and i look out across the field and i just stand there and i just look and i drink it in and drink it in and drink it in i don't want to let it go but i want to make sure i absorb it all yeah and that
0: last moment before i return in another year you know and and it's well we do need to teach a few people about sunblock <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, I know. Let them know. I know. Florida sun is yeah. no joke. Oh, not in March. Yeah, yeah. You're about an inch from the sun here. In Florida,
2: <laughs> you've you've so. seen you've seen the the ballparks we have here at, at Lake Myrtle. Oh, yeah. and, and so normally right now with Russ Matt would be going on and we'd have 300 some odd teams here. And I will take my walk at lunchtime and I will walk out and as I walk past people. I'll go, please put on some block. Please put on some Please. block. Please put on some yeah. block. Yeah. And you can see they're out here following their teams from the Northeast or whatnot. And they're all nice and pasty white. And it's like, oh, boy, you are going to hate your life. They're not
1: going to be pretty. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Hurt. About 8 o'clock tonight, you're going to go, man, I'm warm. I can't figure this <laughs> out, you know. Uh,
0: but so. you can't go back to Michigan at the end of spring and yeah. not be tan. and be oh. right
1: a passage.
0: Right. Oh. That's the best thing ever.
1: Oh, it's a sign of absolute honor Success, and
0: pride. Right? You've been there.
1: Oh, you've people been. are so jealous, envious, and, and you you just feel like uh, you've taken a, a, a step toward deification when you go back with uh, the, this suntan from spring training.
0: Well, the, the new ballpark up there in Detroit, and I know here at, uh, in Polk County, we've done some marketing up there and we do a couple of things up with and the, the great partnership that we've had the county with uh regards to the, the tiger so we go up there once a year well i've got some friends other in, in detroit that invited me up a few years ago for spring training i mean not for spring training for opening day and uh my my buddy ran the sports commission up there in detroit and he said hey would you like to go out onto the field and bring the big flag out and do the thing opening day first day i'm like oh that'd be terrific i'm gonna do that so we go and we go to the game and he's like, I'll meet you in the stand. So I, I've got the big, gigantic flag for opening day. I'm one of the people out there shaking the flag. And as I'm out there in the field and we're shaking the flag and the, everything's going on, it starts to snow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like shaking the flag, I'm watching the snowfall. I'm, just, I'm like, all right, this, this is, I'm done, let's go. It's cold out here. We get back up in the stands, he's laughing at me. Because he's like, yeah, I didn't expect that, did you? I'm like, no, no.
1: And yet, you saw what a civic holiday opening day is in
0: Detroit. Crazy town, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it's. They shut the town down. Oh. The town shut down. It, it, it was, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 essentially uh, again. Uh, it's a day when attendance at works about eight percent. Yeah, and because even those who don't go to the game, they're going to go to a bar and watch a game because everybody's going to be doing the same thing. It is. A farewell to winter, finally, in an embrace of the new baseball season. And the fact that that ballpark, by the way, I hated losing Tiger Stadium. And I'm not wild about the configuration of Comerica Park's outfield, as everybody knows, to say the least. But I love the location. It's downtown, and it's right. why people love It's why suddenly they began to draw 3 million people. People could park however far away, go to bars and restaurants, and yeah. turn it in to a whole night, before and after the game. Right. Well, you, you, Tiger Stadium was, was a little too far removed from that. So you didn't really have that kind of concentration of people or that kind of activity. Now you do, and everybody loves to go downtown. They want to go to the ballpark, and if they don't go to the ballpark, they want to hit all these other places. that again, a Greek, town Greek town. Greek town,
0: yeah. yeah. right across. Yeah, right, nobody goes over to Windsor though, right? Well, they... they no, nah, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. But, we can edit that part out. No, no, no. <laughs> actually, we're, we we
1: Windsor are pretty close. Uh, Wins, the Windsorites, of course, come across for baseball. They're big Tigers fans over But, you know, and that's right across the as you know. Yeah. It, it's hard to believe. I've told people who've come in there, you know, we're sitting along the, the riverfront downtown. And, you know, by the way, over there is Canada. They can't believe it. Right. You know, you could... It, it looks like you could hit a driver across... The, the the river and you're in Canada but it is anyway that's one of the kind of the novelties to Detroit
0: it is it, it's yeah. a lot of and you know I guess in baseball in general as you start to travel around the, the major league parks just like the spring training parks they all have their yeah. uniqueness to them yeah. if you go to Philadelphia and how they've redone the, the fields in Philadelphia uh, new I love York Baltimore Yankee Stadium, Baltimore
1: Camden Yards.
0: Camden yeah. Yards, uh, you know those those are the types of fields now that you go to. I love the new field in San Diego. When I went to that one, you know, we've got a, somebody's office building in left field, right? And people in there are doing their thing. A big, <laughs> there's a big warehouse building in left field. Um, but I think in general baseball, uh, I, I hear things. Well, we need to shorten the game. Uh, we need to have a pitch timer. Uh, I, I feel like maybe we as a society don't have the patience to watch the beauty of this game.
1: I think that's a, a popular uh, criticism, or I should say a common criticism, and I think it's valid. But every time it seems that they want to do something to shorten the game, they find there's really not that much you can do. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, they're they're limiting mound visits, uh getting away with the intentional walk. I mean, that takes a few seconds off or a few minutes. But with all the pitching changes that they make and the game is just simply very strategic. Now they're limiting some of that now too where relievers got to come in and pitch to three batters and that kind of deal. And that that's fine. I I think though Kevin, I think if they they Play around too much with it. Uh, they're going to really mar uh, the the joy that people get out of seeing a complete baseball game. Now, you can argue what they're doing now with extra innings, putting a guy in second base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a fan of that uh, at all. I, I would much prefer they would do something like the universal designated hitter after 50 years. You'd think they'd get around to that. Um, they're, they're limiting, of course, down here. And many times that makes sense. Seven inning games. Yeah. 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 Through Spring a pandemic, and yeah. when you've got arms that are fragile, that makes sense. Now, I think they probably will and need to go back to nine. Uh, I don't know what you can do. But there there is definitely a, a tremendous camp that does say it's too long. we got other things to do. Uh, and I am sympathetic to their particular pleas there, but I don't know what you can do. And I think you hear a lot. We've been hearing this for 60 years, by the way. And baseball has still retained enormous, enormous popularity and clout. And it makes me wonder if really we're ever going to cease saying that the game's too long or if we're ever going to cease saying gosh, this baseball is still pretty beautiful. You know,
2: the White Sox, White Sox fans are going to see the games too long after they have a season of (laughs) turnovers (laughs) as the manager.
0: As so. they open it up, this is way too long. Oh He's going to the mound again. Make it in now. Yeah. What are you going to run out to and tell him? Throw a strike? Yeah. <laughs> All
2: those years in Northern California watching LaRusso manage his games, I was oh, like, yeah. oh, my yep. God. You saw it's him. a four-hour game. Come on. You saw it.
0: I could fly across the country and watch the yeah. end of this game. yeah, thing. yeah. Well, you know, and and it's again, it's a game that there's a lot of strategy in baseball. I don't think people understand and appreciate that as much uh, as those of us who have been around it for a long time and and watching pitchers and low scoring games when you're watching a guy throw a no hitter and you're you're standing, you're sitting in the stands and everybody in the stands like, Shh, yeah, yeah. I got to go pee. Dude, you're not going anywhere. You just wait right there, man. You're going to break it. You got to stay in the stands. That's the fun of baseball, to me. Yeah. You know, get a little yeah. mound ball game going on in the stands. So you know, the pitchers and the umpires know that you got a mound ball game because people are screaming. Yep. And the umpire purposely <laughs> rolls a ball off to the side or something. That's that's baseball. That's yep. that's part of the fun. of the I'm game. with you. Yeah, quick turn, Michigan State, your alma mater. We're getting ready to head into uh, basketball. What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, they
1: looked like they were going to be DOA for the first time in 25 years in the tournament, but now they're basically in with this little run here at the end of the season. Of course, the big story up in that region is uh, the rival for, for uh, the Michigan State crowd is Michigan. Jawan Howard has done such a remarkable job, and he really has, with that Michigan team. And uh, he's got a uh, real chance at the Final Four with that bunch. Uh, Iso had a, 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 an off year here for a lot of reasons. Couldn't find a point guard, and then they had anybody down low and all the other stuff, which is very rare for, obviously, his tenure there. But uh, I'm glad they're still in the tournament. I'm glad Michigan's, of course, going to be um, probably having a long life in the tournament. And uh, basketball is uh, rejuvenating that uh, entire state with uh, both teams now uh, – almost certainly an attorney and uh, with Michigan uh, particularly having a a pretty solid chance at maybe going to the finals. So that's been interesting. The football uh, situation is different up there. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has not been the answer that all of us thought he would be. And that is a stunner for me because I covered Jim Mm -hmm. Harbaugh back when he was a quarterback there and have known him through his coaching years. Mm -hmm. And I thought, he was going to win multiple national championships, truthfully. Um, Michigan State's undergone a, a coaching change since, of course, Mark D'Antonio uh, finally called it quits and probably needed to do so a year earlier. I think just the scheme had gone out of the sales. And uh, then Mel Tucker is doing a really, really nice job of uh, rebricking that program. Um, that's interesting up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're in for an interesting fall in the sense that I'm not sure that much is going to change with Michigan. So I think the Harbaugh drama is likely to become even more intense next year. I thought they probably should have made a coaching change this past yeah. year. Uh, it's not easy to say because I like Jim so much, but uh, I, I think you have to be objective about these situations. And and, and it's just not right to have them delivering um eight and four seasons where they're losing uh, always to Ohio State and too often to Michigan State and so forth. That That's not what Michigan football should be. Should. Yeah. It should be uh, a, at least a notch or two um, above that, and hasn't been. So you've got that reality. Then you've got uh, the Mel Carter, uh, again, rebranding of that team up there in East Lansing, and I really like what he's doing. I think he's going to be a factor. So – College football, and, of course, I pay attention to it down here. My wife's a Gators alum, and, okay. and I'm an SEC man. I covered Nick Saban for years when he was at Michigan State. Okay, yeah, I've known him yeah. for 35 years more and um, really uh, have a, a, a long professional relationship with Nick Saban. I'm an SEC guy uh, as much as I'm Big Ten, and uh, I'm always watching SEC games, same yeah. as I am every Saturday, uh, Big Ten ball. I go. I'm back and
0: forth with the clicker. They're exciting and fast. You know. Well, SEC are, games.
1: Are, SEC games. I mean, let's face it, that. That's the best college football in yeah, the country. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I don't care who's playing. I'm watching it. And uh, of course, the, the same goes for the conference from which I come. But uh, it, even it, Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> exciting to watch this year. Yeah, the yeah. young lady kicking. The How about kickoff. that? That was awesome. Yeah.
1: My stepson's a Vandy alum, so I've been up there for some games. I was up there when Jay Cutler was was quarterbacking up there, too. Okay, right. And uh, so I have kind of a long now familiarity with these campuses. I've been out a a whole bunch of them. I've seen games at a whole bunch of them. Covered a lot of games at at them uh, over the years, Uh, whether it's between the edges or anywhere. So I feel like I'm I'm an SEC man as much as I am a Big Ten man.
0: Yeah. Well, and bandy has got a you know, they normally – not so good on the football side. Baseball side, they're fantastic. Oh,
1: yeah. You or know, they
0: David Price came out of yeah. it,
1: right? Oh, they've so, got two of the first couple of picks uh, this yeah, year in the absolutely. draft, too, with Jack Leiter. Mississippi
0: State, uh, usually good baseball programs. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, someone invited me to come up to Mississippi this year uh, to go to a baseball game. They, they'll draw, what, 20,000 in a baseball game? 15, 20,000. Wow.
1: So. they got a top 10 um, – Draft pick up there too.
0: Yeah, yeah, great opportunity, man. This has been great. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm like, I can't let him get away without talking a little bit of basketball. We're going into the yep. bubble here in the next couple of weeks uh, up in Indiana. Hopefully oh, that all works out. I think it's gonna. It's gonna work out. We have a. We'll have the game. We'll have the. I guess the uh, tournament, the, the brackets will be out
2: soon. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's,
0: the brackets will be out soon.
2: Man. Some things will never
0: change. There will <laughs> yeah. be brackets. Yeah, and I'll say, and, and I will lose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <yes>. yeah. <laughs> some yeah, things will change. Yeah, because I'll pick, like, you know, St. Mary's <laughs> College or something. <laughs> like, they're going to go all the way. <laughs> yeah. This is Cinderella <laughs> year for them. Yeah. And you know, I'm usually out for You're
2: staying. not going to throw all your money on Gonzaga again?
0: Uh, not this year. Okay. Not this year. I may, I may pick a, you know, you a going Baylor. Or, Baylor or Baylor. There something you go. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd pick that wild, well, that dark horse. And maybe go that route. Well, I tell you what, Lynn, this has been fantastic. Jack, do you have anything else to add? No.
2: No. Uh, Lynn, thank you very much. It's as always. It's a pleasure.
1: Jack and Kevin, it's always a pleasure for me to be down here in uh, this conversation. The last hour or so has been uh, terrific fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.